Hello and welcome back to the Cyclone Slant Podcast, back from our summer hiatus. Um, we're just a little less than two weeks away now from football season, so I thought it'd be a good time to bring back the podcast. As you can probably tell, the timing was really good for me to start to lose my voice. So we're going to keep this uh, short and sweet, talking about some preseason football. Um, Ian, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Um, don't have to listen to you if you lose your voice. So that that works out well. for me. That works out. I feel like that works out well for a lot of people, probably. If I do lose my voice, um, so we're going to start off. Kind of the there hasn't been a whole lot of news that has emanated uh, from Iowa State football practice or trickled out uh, with our daily availability. Um, we get Matt Campbell later tonight. Um, I think you know if there's anything to announce. Uh, in terms of newsy kind of stuff like injuries or anything like that, we'll get it probably uh, here. Certainly ask about and maybe hear about uh, the status of uh, defensive lineman Camila Tangamoa. I think I pronounced that pretty close to accurate. Um, you know, they knew he had some academic work that he had to finish up uh, before getting on campus. Campbell said last week or in the first week that he'd be here in Ames uh, by the end of that week, and obviously, as far as we know, still not in town. So. That, I imagine, will be a, a topic of conversation. But kind of one of the, the things that emerged most recently uh, on Tuesday night was that Joel Lanning, who went from starting quarterback to starting linebacker, is back playing quarterback, at least in a limited role. Sounds like a situational role. Um, it, it, it was interesting to hear that, that he spent the entirety of practice Tuesday uh, at quarterback, I don't know if it was surprising, but certainly, like I said, when we don't have a lot of news coming down, that makes you you raise your eyebrow a little bit. You know, when you heard Tyson Veit, linebackers coach, say that uh, yesterday, what was kind of your reaction? Well, it's a little interesting to me that he's not getting those reps at linebacker because it's a brand new position for his last season of college football. And to take a guy that you anticipate being your starting Mike, who's moving from quarterback, to take those reps away at this point in the uh, preseason is a little bit interesting to me, but it sounds like, it, like you said, it'll be situational. Situational. I wonder if it won't be like uh, Oklahoma did a couple years ago with Blake Bell, the Belldozer package. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did not read this as a rethinking of the landing at linebacker experiment. I think they're pretty well set on that. I wouldn't read this as, if anything, you know, my gleaming of you know what we heard yesterday between landing. Um, and some of the other linebackers invite was just, I would think that this bodes well for where they think he is as a linebacker, where they feel like they could give up a day's worth of reps at, for him there uh, in order to, you know, keep a little, uh, you know, fresh on the offensive side of things. I think if they're willing to give up, you know, however many snaps for him playing at linebacker, I think that probably speaks well to Joel Lanning's acclamation uh, to the linebacker position. What do you think about that? I would guess that's probably true. I think they probably don't want to put a lot of it in Lanning's hands. He is the Mike linebacker, so he's kind of the leader on defense, in, at least in my football experience. But I would imagine that he's not going to be making a whole ton or a whole lot of calls. But it will be interesting to see what happens when they go full speed and go contact with him. Yeah, I mean, it's just this whole situation – I feel like we've kind of lost the thread of how crazy it is that they're even trying this, let alone potentially having success with it. I mean, this is a Big 12 starting quarterback in 2017 in his fifth year in college after four years as a as a quarterback making the transition to, of all positions, wide receiver. I mean, we've seen guys move 
to wide receiver. I, I don't even remember if we can of a guy that moved to cornerback, but I'm sure there have uh, been guys younger in their careers, uh, you know, just transitioning into college football. But for him to do this from quarterback, not even just being a quarterback, being a starting quarterback in the Big Twelve to moving to middle linebacker, is just. It's crazy, and I don't even mean that in a derogatory way. I just like this is I think I've written before. It's bananas. It's bonkers. It's it's amazing. And the only thing that that makes you you know ponder this is its amazingness is that it, it seems to be the early results from the spring game and coaches' uh, reviews of Lanning's play through the the first couple of weeks of fall camp is that it's working, and that he can do it. And I think that's a testament to a lot of people at Iowa State, first and foremost, Joel Lanning, for being, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally mature enough and smart enough and capable enough to be able to make this, apparently be able to make this transition. I think, like, that speaks volumes about him as as a person and as a football player to be able to do that as a fifth-year senior um, and, and just and do it, you know, at least publicly, willingly and without complaint. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then just from the physical standpoint, you have to be able to have the tools to make that transition is just crazy. And I think locally and probably with within the Iowa State fan base, we've probably over – because it's been it's been covered a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. It's been covered. But if it's almost been normalized now that I feel like we're – as we're creeping into September. And I think every now and then it's worth stepping back and saying, holy hell, like what this guy is trying to do is crazy. And – you have to give credit to Matt Campbell and his staff for you know what looks to be a smart decision by showing some some vision and some experimentation and the ability to think outside the box to make their football team better. It's like if this works, you know I'm not going to say it's going to be one of the best stories in college football because if this is a team that wins four or five or six games, like not really going to matter. But it's going to be one of the more fascinating experiments I think in college football this year. And I think a lot of that has, like you said, has to go back to Joel Lanning that. I mean, every time he's been asked publicly, how's the change going? How's everything, you know, been? Oh, it's been fine. Just work, getting my reps in, getting getting better as a linebacker. I think it's crazy to me that you put a lot of guys in that situation where they've been the starter, the new staff brings a new guy in, and you lose your starting spot. A lot of guys with a year left of eligibility would transfer. I think Joel Lanning was in a position where he might have been a grad tra- – or he could have grad transferred to another place and probably been a starting quarterback – but instead he turns around and the staff says, why don't we try linebacker? He says, okay, I'm a linebacker now, and that's it. I, that's just crazy. And there is a lot of validity to your normality point, I think, because it's he's been so willing and so, by all accounts, able to do it. It's just become a normalized thing, in, at least in the Iowa State football sphere. Yeah, and I, you know, to – I think we've probably exhausted the talk on that, so we'll, we'll flip over to the to the offensive side of the ball and another kind of interesting situation at the running back position that, again, has been covered a lot but I think is worth revisiting as we, we get closer to the season um, is that, you know, David Montgomery and Mike Warren have seemingly found a way to make their relationship work after, you know, what had to have been an incredibly frustrating season for Mike Warren as a, as a sophomore coming off of such a prolific freshman year and it sounds like by all accounts that those two have made it work and that's to have two quality running backs I think is a a monster thing for Iowa State because you know we've seen both those guys play high-end football you know we saw Montgomery go for 176 we saw him go for 130 in games and then we saw 
Mike Warren go for 1,300 plus yards as a freshman. Like those guys, you know, you know, maybe, especially on Warren's side, you probably worry about consistency or at least that's a concern after last year. But you've seen both of those guys play really high level football. So when you know you have guys with a ceiling like that, I think that's really important for a program and a team like Iowa State that is you don't always have the most talent on the full field. And if you can narrow that talent gap with the Oklahomas and the Oklahoma States, and more importantly, that middle of the conference, like your Kansas States, when you have guys like Warren and Montgomery, who you know can reach those heights, is really important uh, to narrow that talent gap, which, you know, by narrowing the talent gap, you extend your margin for error, which is huge in games where, you know, we've seen historically Iowa State be three points here, seven points here, uh, a failed a decision not to kneel there uh, to winning these football games. And so to be able to keep both of those guys in the fold, I think is huge for them. And running back coach Lou Ianni is so high on both those guys right now. By all accounts, their work ethic has been incredible. I wrote that, wrote about this last week that David Montgomery will spend his Saturday and Sunday nights. He'll get to the football facility at 10. He won't leave till 2 or 3 in the morning. I mean, it just sounds like those guys both, they want to get better. They want to get better together. And they want that whole unit, the, all the running backs in that room to get better as well. And to stay on the offensive side of the ball, I look forward to hearing a little bit more uh, about Jacob Park. We haven't heard a lot about the quarterbacks uh, from the coaching staff yet this year, uh, early this fall. And I, I think he'll be as big a key as any, you know, as any quarterback, uh, you know, can be because of the weapons they have at wide receiver. Uh, the the relative inexperience of the offensive line and then those weapons in the backfield. It'll be really interesting uh, to see how he kind of coalesces as the unquestioned starter um, and a guy that you know has showed flashes of that high end talent. Like I said uh, about those two running backs, to see how that all works. And I think you know when you look at Park, you know Ian, he's got you know, they had a interesting and I think a potential filled wide receiving core last year. And that group with Alan Lazard back is a year older, a year more experienced. And I think they really do have some weapons at a lot of positions, you know, beyond just Lazard, who everyone knows is going to be a threat on uh, every snap. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lazard's obviously the, the go-to guy at wide receiver, but then Matt Campbell's been high on Marchie Murdoch and Hakeem Butler and Deshante Jones coming back. And there's all these weapons, that, weapons to, I guess, be determined because there is still a lot of potential there. And we haven't seen them on the field yet, but... There's all these guys that, at least on paper, look like they're going to be nightmare matchups for Big 12 corners and Big 12 safeties when Iowa State hasn't always had those tall, lanky, big wide receivers that can really go up and get the ball like they have this year. All right. Like I said, I think we're going to keep it short. The only other thing worth, I think, mentioning is uh, today it was reported George Niang uh, signing a partially guaranteed deal with the defending NBA champs, Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, the Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported it. It would sound like he's going to spend you know most of his time with the Santa Cruz D League team or G League team uh, of the Warriors, and I, I think it's a really interesting fit. Like, obviously, that roster is stacked. You don't win 73 games in 2016 and then add Kevin Durant and win a title in 2017 without that being like just an incredibly difficult roster to make. You know, I would say that some of their big men historically that's been there. A little bit of their revolving door there. Uh, you go from you know like the David West and uh, uh, what's his face, the the Australian uh, Andrew Bogut, 
um, was there, and then uh, you know Maurice Spates and uh, JaVale McGee. Like they've had a little bit of a revolving door around there, and George Niang doesn't necessarily fit that mold perfectly because he's not long and as athletic as some of those guys, um, and certainly not the defender of like a Bogut, but he is skilled and a talented passer like a Bogut, who I think was their best. And obviously he's not you know seven foot one like Bogut. But what I'm there's a long way of saying is that they've found ways to make it work with unconventional guys, and obviously the poster child for that is Draymond Green. So I think when they look at him, they see a skill set that for a lot of the 30 teams is going to be hard to unlock, Only not only because of its uh, unconventionalness in the way that George Yang plays without a lot of athleticism or superior size but that there is you know a basketball iq and a basketball savvy and a basketball skill set there that's really intriguing to teams so i think if you're george niang you have to feel good about the position and just about the the organization has the ability to think outside the box to be unconventional and to try to unlock the things that make you good rather than the things that hold you back so you know am i saying george niang's gonna get a bunch of clock with uh, golden state this year no but i think what I am saying is like that I think is a good spot for him at this point in his career after getting waived uh, by the Pacers going into his second year. He has to be elated to land at Golden State. Like you said, I, I don't know if there's an organization that anybody could be more excited to play for right now. All right, I think that'll about wrap it up. Uh, we'll go a little bit longer next time, maybe a little bit more in depth. We'll have some more uh, information and news i'm sure to talk to as we inch closer to that uh, september 2nd opener against northern iowa but until then uh, this has been the cyclone slant he's ian murphy i'm travis hines thanks for listening